I want to get right in the word. I got a lot of scriptures tonight for us all. Um, and Pastor Twan, he t- spoke about last month about spiritual intensity. And Minister Anissa spoke last week about reset and release. And one of the last things she noticed is that we have to finish our mission. And tonight, I want to speak on one of the things that really prevents us from finishing, from accomplishing the purpose and the calling that God has for our lives, is spiritual laziness. Yep, we're going to step on toes. <laughs> Repeat after me. Say, spiritual laziness, spiritual laziness. is not my portion. <laughs> All right. Well, it's April, even though it don't look like it with the snow. <laughs> But April's a new quarter of the year, and each quarter I like to do for myself, um, my own personal assessments, just kind of seeing, gauging how I'm doing and concerning the things that I lifted up at the top of the year that were my vision or purpose or things that I wanted to accomplish. And um, as I was looking back and reflecting on last quarter, I was very just wonderfully happy and pleased because um, I, we, I started, I know many of you, we started off the quarter just awesome with the fast and how this fast was on another level and um, the corporate fast that we did. And even, I know a lot of us are convicted after Minister Nisa spoke last week about us not having our personal fast um, throughout the year. Um, and all of us, we want to get back to that place. We want to get back to that place that we were. And we can. It doesn't, you don't have to wait till once a year, you know, at the top of the year to be in that sort of um, zone and place and flow of God. Um, but, you know, there's so much happening in this house right now, in this system right now. I mean, it's evident. It's clear for us all to see. And when you are spiritually lazy or even spiritually dull, you'll miss it. And we don't want to miss out on anything that's happening. Amen? Amen. Amen. Ephesians 5.16 tells us to make the most of every opportunity to in these evil days. And even me being present up here is me making the most of every opportunity. I bless and thank our pastors um, for always allowing me the opportunity to give a word. And for me, it's not about, you know, me being able to just, you know, get up here and say something. It's more so about me. I know that this is my calling. I know this is my purpose. So every opportunity that I get to walk more fully in my purpose or calling, I feel more blessed and more complete. And um, before I forget, I want to honor even my husband right now who's serving on the camera. Way to him. <laughs> Amen. I'm blessed to have a whole family that serves. Amen. All from from blood and non-blood. Amen. Um, So anyway, about five years ago in 2013, I uh, taught a message here about um, am I spiritually dull and asking that question. And um, for this season, for this house, I don't think being spiritually dull is what we necessarily need to talk about. I think for the most part... um, this house recognizes the mighty moves of God. You know, like we have Sunday after Sunday or even Wednesday or Saturdays. We welcome the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. We are plugged in. So many partners are plugged into small groups, to prayer, to outreach, to missions, to lifeline system of churches. We're serving. So we're all plugged in um, in the places that we need to be. So I think what it is sometimes is sometimes we have those days where, you know, you just don't really feel like doing what you need to do, right? And sometimes we're a little challenged in our spiritual growth. But I want to encourage us that this is not the season for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is not the season. We have to stay alert in this season because the enemy is looking, looking and prowling for somebody to devour. And a spiritually lazy person is an easy target. You are just a target with a mark. And um, we have to be alert and awake to his tricks, to his schemes. Um, and really, he don't change his schemes. He don't change them. He don't even package them differently. They be the same thing over and over again. You know, like for me, chocolate is a struggle. So I can make up my mind, I'm going to not eat sweets this week, and somebody just got a piece of candy that's chocolate sitting there. It ain't, <laughs> it ain't put in no different package or form. It's just chocolate. And, you know, I struggle with that. Um, so... Um, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. Let's turn to Romans thirteen eleven, And I'm going to read it out of a few different versions. I always like to read it out of different versions because you get deeper understanding with each one. And 
I don't know Greek or Hebrew, you know, to be able to read from the original. So that's my best way of me trying to understand fully what God is trying to tell us in our word. So Romans 13, 11, first out of the living Bible, I want to read. It says, another reason for right living is this. You know how late it is. We know how late it is, right? We see what's going on in our, not just our country, but the world. Time is running out. Wake up, for the coming of the Lord is nearer now than when we first believed. Amen? Let's look at it in the Amplified. It says, verse 11, do this knowing, or I have a little different version, do this knowing that this is a critical time. It is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep of spiritual complacency. For our salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed in Christ. Critical time. Critical time. Romans 13, 11 out of the message. And it says, but make sure you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in the taking care of your day-to-day obligations. I mean, it just break it down. That you lose track of the time and you doze off oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around and dissipation. And bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Amen? Get out of bed and get dressed. It just makes it so clear. Don't loiter or linger waiting until the last very minute. Procrastinators. Amen? Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. It's so, like, we could just stop right there. Because every sentence we could find ourselves. Oh, goodness. So it's telling us we need to get dressed, dressed in Christ. And, and the Lord Christ has given us a clothing that Christians wear, right? We have the armor of God. In Ephesians 6, it talks about put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against all the schemes and the devices and the strategies of the devil. And then it goes on to, you know, take your helmet of salvation, and your breastplate of righteousness, your belt of truth, and, and feet shot in the gospel of peace, and your shield of faith, and your sword of spirit. And lazy people look at that scripture, and they say, oh, I got to do all of that? Like, we got to do all of that, and it's daily. Daily, we need to do all of that in order for us to be close, because otherwise we're exposed. We are exposed to the elements of this world. We are exposed to the enemy. You wouldn't send your child out in 30 degree below weather with no coat on. Otherwise, they're going to be exposed. So we as believers are spiritually exposed when we don't put on our spiritual armor. When we're not prayed up. Because that's the next scripture after that. Pray always. So, you know, my grandmother used to always say, and she would say it in this voice, laziness will kill you. You know, she like creep in and it always just, she find a way to make that statement. And I used to think that's a bad, that's a negative confession. You know, I'm not talking about death or whatnot. But then I started looking at the word in Proverbs 21, 25. In the message it says, lazy people finally die of hunger because they won't get up and go to work. I mean... <laughs> So she was speaking the word. Lazy people finally die of hunger because they won't get up and go to work. So what does laziness mean? What does laziness do? Laziness stunts your growth. And we're talking about spiritual laziness, but you can think about it in the natural and see how it relates to the spiritual. Eventually, stunted growth long enough means death. It means spiritual death. Being spiritually lazy means dull. It prevents us from being sharp. We have to be sharp and keen in our discernment. A dull knife is no good. You need to be sharp. When we're spiritually lazy, we refuse new projects. We are unable to finish God's call on our life. We become restless and helpless and useless. You know, when you're, you can be spiritually lazy even while you're doing a whole bunch of stuff. 
And that's, and that's the thing. That's how the enemy deceives us. You can be doing all this serving and all these agendas and committees and programs and all of that. You are caught sleeping because you're not getting spiritually fed and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in this season, we cannot be caught sleeping. God is doing these amazing things and he needs vessels to flow through. And you don't want to be one of the people looking around and you see all these other vessels being used. And you like, what about me, Lord? Well, first look at yourself. Are you spiritually lazy? So a definition of lazy means disinclined to activity or exertion, not energetic or vigorous, moving slowly. You know, some of us are even moving too slowly in our walk with the Lord. There have been some areas that we need to have advanced and progressed in. Laziness also means, um, um, or lazy people, they start things, but they don't finish them. They procrastinate, as we said, which we'll go into more deeply. Um, They're poor in their spirit, man. They're poor in the word. They're poor in truth. And lethargy, where we get like lethargic, That's another similar word to laziness. Lethargy means abnormal drowsiness. The quality or state of being lazy. Sluggardness. Sluggard, like (laughs) the pastor always imitates Joyce Myers. (laughs) Tardiness, sluggish, or indifferent. We don't want to be indifferent or apathetic in our walk with the Lord. We don't want to just be like, oh, well, whatever happens, happens. Like when we have the tools and the authority to make things happen in this earth realm for ourselves. So also lethargy um, means burnt out, dry, worn out, weary. Lack of enthusiasm to pursue spiritual matters is a symptom of spiritual lethargy and a cause of spiritual immaturity and stunted growth. So here's another definition I saw of lethargy that I found really Really interesting. It was also defined as an attitude. An attitude. So think about it. An attitude is based on your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, what's inside of you, your soul. All of those things being things that you can change, that are subject to change. So you have a decision whether or not you are lethargic or lazy or not. It's an attitude, and it starts in your mind. It starts with that being planted, that seed being planted in your mind. Because there's this battle that's waging on over your mind and what you devote your time to. And we have to be good stewards over what we devote our time to. So like at the start of the year for the fast for me, in addition to the food, I added on fasting from, you know, any television show other than something that was lifting up the name of Jesus, which really for me was just watching... um, International House of Prayer all the time. And um, I realized all of the silly shows that I would fill up my time with. And you'd always feel like, well, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. Because you go home and, you know, you're watching these reality shows. I was watching Survivor and Keeping Up with the Kardashians and Beverly Hills, Housewives and whatnot. And watching all this stuff. And, you know, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, it's like midnight. Look, I don't have no time early to pray. Let me quickly pray, or you put something together. And all the stuff we put above what we need, which we need for our own livelihood. And I realized that when I did that fast, like, you got to detox. Like, it's almost like a drug. Because at the first week, you, like, you know, you itching. You <laughs> you're looking at the remote control. You're like, oh, so-and-so's on. Oh, you know, you're missing another show. Oh, this show just started. But... Really, I had to train myself to respond because what I was doing was I would use television as a way to kind of like relax or cope from a stressful day. You know, it's normal. Like, oh, let me cope. But I had to train myself, train my flesh to cope, not by watching TV, but by hearing the word of God. And that was, it was a battle. And at first it was hard, but then eventually, as the weeks progressed, I started to, when I would get home, long to go into my room and and open up the Bible and open up, um, you know, different songs and spiritual songs and whatnot and read them and pray. Like, I started to delight it. I started to desire it. I started to crave it. But it started with a decision. And it started with a continuous, repetitive, consistent, diligent pattern 
to change my normal. I had to change my normal. You know, I used to always get burnt out around Easter time, Resurrection Sunday. And it was, you know, almost like clockwork around that time I would, you know, Tell Pastor Clyde or something, I need a break from music ministry because I was just overwhelmed and stressed and tired. And I realized what it was, was I was doing a lot of stuff, but I was not getting spiritually refilled. I was not taking the time to personally, spiritually refill myself. Because now I feel like I'm probably doing, my mom always says, you do feel like you're doing more stuff now. You're supposed to do less. But I feel energized. I feel, I don't feel burnt out. I don't feel overwhelmed because I'm constantly refilling my supply that I need to continue. Amen? You got to constantly, one day doesn't carry you on for the next. Even if it's a good day, even if it's a really good Sunday and you got laid out and you heard five prophecies about your whole future and we think we can ride off of stuff. You can't ride off of Sunday. The next day you still got to put on your clothes, get up out of bed. Like the scripture said, we got to do what, and it just, it's just another day. It's just another day. And yeah, that was a good day, but that don't carry you through the month. That don't carry you through the year. That's where we confuse ourselves. Like I've even, I told my prayer class last week, you know, you, we don't have no option to take a day off in our spiritual walk. Because one day you're not praying, you think, you know, you're just standing still. No, you're either advancing in the kingdom or you're moving backwards. And you standing still, is everybody else advancing ahead of you? And now the enemy is pouncing on you, pushing you further back. We can't go on cruise control with the spiritual walk. We can't just put it on 55 and be like, this is what I do. I do my devotion and I do this and this is where I'm going to stay. And this is how I'm just going to be for the rest of the year. And I'm good. I'm comfortable. We can't get comfortable in our spiritual walk. Amen. So that's where we get into spiritual laziness. And don't confuse rest with laziness. You know, they're not the same thing. Like I was saying, rest rejuvenates the soul. We should be doing the kind of things that rejuvenates our soul. Because really, most of those television shows we watch, they're not rejuvenating anything. They're making us more agitated, more anxious, more unsettled. Because <laughs> now TV is just basically the life that we live in a darker, even, you know, more upfront way. And it's not, it's not giving us what we need that's vitally important for our lives. So let's turn to, well... You can turn to Proverbs 13, 4. I'm going to go through quickly a few, which I found my best, the best Proverbs laziness scriptures, because there's so many of them. Um, and we're going to kind of jart through the dart through these real quick. So I want to get to what I want to get to, but I wanted to leave you with these. So Proverbs 13, 4, out of the Amplified, it says, The soul appetite of a lazy person craves and gets nothing for lethargy overcomes ambition but the sole appetite of the diligent who works willingly is rich and abundantly supplied so look at that you may have all the ambition in the world you may have all of these great ideas all of these witty ideas all these witty things wonderful things yet yet a lazy person craves for that stuff But they don't get anything because the laziness overcomes their desire to see those things manifest in their life. Like they they talk a good talk, but then at the end of the day, they're not walking. Proverbs 24, just flip over a couple pages. Twenty-four out of the Amplified, it says, A lazy man does not plow when the winter planting season arrives. So he begs at the next harvest and has nothing to reap. The lazy man does not plow when the winter planting season. So in order for there to be a harvest, there has to have been seed sown and plowing. And because the lazy person didn't want to get up during the winter, oh, it's cold. Now when it's harvest time, they're begging their food, their sustenance. Just let all that sit in. Proverbs 12, 24. Proverbs 12, 24. In the NLT it says, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. 
Because when you are lazy, you are at the whim of everyone else. They are now telling you and dictating you what you are going to do. Because you haven't taken the initiative to do it for yourself. Proverbs 19.24. This one is just even more. Out of the NLT. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Like, just think about that. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. It's like we hold the word. We got all this food in our hand, but we're not lifting it into our mouth. We're not saying it. It's like lazy people can't even feed themselves. And you can't get force fed in the kingdom because you can come and sit here and just hear. But you got to eventually do what you hear. Last one, Proverbs 18.9. Proverbs 18.9 out of the NLT. It says, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. You're actually destroying things when you give in to laziness. And just think about it, who else destroys things? The enemy, the thief. The thief cometh not but to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10.10. So it's a spirit. Laziness, lethargy, it is a spirit. It is a demonic presence. And that spirit attacks us and tries to prevent us from growing in God, growing and living out our full potential. And just like we read, it is a destructive spirit. Because the person that's dealing with that are doing the destructive work of the enemy while thinking they're not even doing anything at all. You think you're just fine and maintaining but you're actually doing the work of the enemy because that's what exactly what he wants you to do. He just wants you to sit and drift. It's a deceiving spirit. You know, it's just like you're, if you're too lazy to work, the enemy will have you wallow in that lack while you're deceiving yourself because you're walking into poverty because you're not working. So where does it start? Where does a spirit of laziness or um, lethargy spirit start? For some of us, it starts sometimes, especially in the body of Christ, by being overwhelmed by the calling and purpose that's on our life. We hear about it, we get glimpses of it, and we start to digest it, and we suddenly become overwhelmed by like, oh, I got to do all this stuff. Now I know the word, I got to be held accountable, I have to do all of these things, and, and, and then, then we become unmotivated because we're like, I can't do all that. I can't, I can't do all that. That's too much, that's too much praying, that's too much reading the word, that's too much. I'll just settle and just be comfortable right here. We forget the gospel, we forget God's word, and we allow ourselves to just drift, drift, drift. And we're, as we're drifting... We, we're, we're focusing on the trials and the cares of this world. Because that's what the drift does. The drift is taking us further and further away from God's word, now into the world. Now we're being confronted with anxiety and fear and doubts and worries because we're being surrounded by the world, world and all of its, its things that they have. And that's why um, we, you know, this whole reset and release is important for us. Because, just think about it, when you start something like a diet or exercise program, do you, I'll raise my hand, I, I have, after a while, you get some success. You lost 20 pounds, or you, you, you've, you've done consistently um, working out for a month. Then you're like, I'm good. You start to get comfortable. I mean, it's just natural. You're like, I'm going to take tomorrow off, I'm not going to go as hard. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to celebrate. Let me, let me um, reward myself. Let me have. <laughs> and then the reward becomes, instead of one day or one meal, it becomes a whole week of rewards. <laughs> you riding off of a week of working out with a week of rewards. <laughs> and, you know, we think we're doing something. We're just coasting along. 
And like again, like I said, if we're not continually making progress, if we're not gaining ground, if we're not becoming more obedient and more mature, if we're not handling and dealing with our emotions better and denying our flesh, if we're not practicing these spiritual disciplines consistently and pressing toward the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus, we will eventually drift and fall into spiritual laziness. That's why it's demonic. It literally tries to zap all of our energy. All of our zeal for God. And like we said, it's an attitude. So most of the time it starts in your mind. Just like when you're working out or running. Like I know for me, running was this big mind thing. And like literally I would be thinking about the run that I was going to do the next day, the day before. And whether or not I was really going to get up and do it. And like, okay, maybe if the weather's like this, well... I need to get my shoes and stuff out so I don't have to look for that in the morning. You know, you start doing all this mind debate with yourself. And as you think about it more and more and more, you eventually talk yourself out of it. You talk yourself out of it. You're like, okay, I'm going to do it tomorrow because it's too much. And, And that's literally, unfortunately, what happens when there are souls here in the house. And we all open up an altar call. As they sit longer and longer, like that first push is so important. That's why we all need to be praying because as those souls sit longer and longer, the enemy starts to cloud their mind with doubts. Oh, go next week. You fine this week. Get yourself together first, then come back. You can wear the right thing today. Don't come up here. You know, you got to get home to do something. You don't want to be there late. There's too many people there today. Wait for another day. And that's what the enemy does, clouding your thoughts, trying to make you think that what your spirit man is crying out for that you don't really need. So it is a demonic spirit. You know, and um, it even, it, it, it manifests in a ways even as simply as sleep. Just think about sleeping. Have you ever slept more than eight hours a day and you still felt sleepy? And you felt even more sleepier than if you probably just slept six hours. And I did some research and I, re- I found out that based on the Harvard Medical School that you really can't catch up on sleep. Like that's a falsehood. Because they said it is impossible to catch up on sleep to improve performance. According to the study, even when you sleep an extra 10 hours to compensate for sleeping only six hours a night for up to two weeks, your reaction times and your ability to focus is worse than if you had pulled an all-nighter. Laziness will kill you, my grandma said. <laughs> Turn to Proverbs 19.15. Amen. Proverbs 19.15 in the Amplified, talking about the sleep. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, unmindful of lost opportunity. And the idle person will suffer hunger. When you're sleeping, you're missing out on opportunities. You are missing out on opportunities. And that's what the the spirit wants us to do. He wants us to sleep more and more. And before you know it, you're sleeping with the enemy. You are literally sleeping with the enemy because he is aborting, trying to abort your mission, your purpose, your calling in God. That's why laziness is a precursor to depression. And I've experienced depression before and you don't want to be in that place where you don't want to do anything. You don't want to get out of bed like the scripture said, get up, wake up. You looking at that like I don't even want to do that. And depression, that will prevent us from hearing the voice of God. Because we're so focused on not wanting to do anything. And it just has no effect on us. So really, when you get down to a spiritual laziness, the core of it is really unbelief. Just think about that. It's unbelief. Because we're actually doubting something about God. And that doubt drains our hope and our faith. It drains our energy in our drive, it drains our discipline to live fully for Christ. For Christ, And we stop pressing and we stop doing all the things that we know that we need to do because we doubt it's actually worth all of it. We doubt that. So we can't be spiritually lazy and just think that God's just going to throw stuff into our lap. You know, 
we should all have active um, faith projects that we're working on. You know, just think about the faith rumors. For some people, them faith rumors are a dusty memory. It's a t-shirt that's now dried out. <laughs> and that was just like about four months ago. You know? And, and a lot of times, um, we mistakenly believe that, you know, well, if God was in it, everything is just going to go like clockwork and just going to go smoothly. And yes, sometimes it's ease of success. Sometimes everything goes smoothly. But sometimes there are different tests and trials and frustrations and things that you must go through. And how you handle them is how God is promoting you and building up your character. And he's actually trying to see you through something. That's why Psalms 34, 19 says, Many of the hardships and perplexing circumstances confront the righteous, but the Lord rescues him from them all. So he's not saying that you're not going to have to go through perplexing and frustrating and difficult and hard circumstances. But he tells you that, hey, I'm going to deliver you from them all. So don't worry. So tonight, I want to talk about eight things that we can do, practical things, when we feel or believe that we're about to enter into a season of being spiritually lazy. And maybe some of us feel like we're in that now. So these are eight things you can do to get out of it as well. Amen. So, one, don't let it become a season. You got to nip that in the bud immediately. Immediately. Romans 12, 11. Let's turn there. Nip it in the bud. You got to identify your laziness quickly and have a quick recovery time. Can't be dwelling on it. So, Romans 12, 11, it says, never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. So the, the important is the first three words. Never be lazy. So that's not giving you any opportunity to be lazy. Never. Never. Can I be lazy for a day? Never. For an hour? Never. So don't allow that to even sit. Don't, 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 don't cultivate that. Um, you know, even Pastor Reggie was talking about Sunday, about tricking your body. And we can trick ours. We can trick ours. So when we see spiritual laziness is coming at us, when we feel, start to feel like, oh, I don't want to pray today. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to fellowship. I don't want to finish the project. Whatever you got to do. In those times, in those moments when you're feeling that, quickly do exactly the very thing that you're dreading. Just push past it. Don't even think about it. Just do it. Just do it. And, um, and you will find that as you are doing it, as they went, they were healed. As you are doing it, you will find that the Lord will meet you there and give you the energy. Because how many of us, and some of y'all may have did it tonight, drag, you know, drag yourself to church a certain day, and you feel like, well, if I'm not at my best, I shouldn't be there. No, no you need to come as you are, because I bet you will leave out refueled and, and energized. Amen. So don't let it become a season. Two, die to yourself. Die to yourself. Let go of selfish desires and comfort. And walk in your calling fully. We just celebrated Resurrection Sunday. Jesus told us, if anyone wants to follow me in Matthew 16, 24. As a disciple, we're all disciples. We are all followers of Jesus. He must deny himself. Set aside selfish interests. And take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. We have to endure. Lazy people don't want to endure anything. And follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living. And if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. So die to yourself. Number three, third thing you can do. Identify the root doubt that is causing the spiritual laziness. Because like we said, at the core, at the root of it, is doubt. You have some doubt about something that has zapped and drained your hope and your zeal. What is it that you're doubting God about? Are you doubting God about, you know, you become getting married or doubting God about having a baby or getting a new job or moving into a house? What is the doubt? Identify it. Identify that thing that's trying to literally suck and drain all of the spiritual life out of you like a parasite. That's what that doubt is trying to do. It's trying to nag at you to make you think that this word is not true when we know it is. 
So identify the root. Identify it. It's okay to, to know that it's there because only with exposure can healing begin. So you must identify it. Four, pray and ask God forgiveness and ask him to give you a new zeal. So when you find yourself in those moments, just pray and ask for forgiveness. Our Father is just and faithful to forgive us when we ask. And ask him to give you a new zeal. Sometimes we have to actually pray for a desire to pray. Like how many of you ever prayed for a desire to pray or to read God's word? That's okay. That's normal. Because sometimes we just don't want to do it. And we need Holy Spirit to help us. That's why he's there. He's our comforter. Sometimes your flesh is just calling out and we know there's nothing good, nothing profitable in your flesh. And your flesh is just saying, lay there, be a lazy bum, don't get dressed, don't take a shower, just lay in the bed all day. Don't say nothing to God, don't say nothing to nobody, just be silent. You got to learn to silence that flesh because it shall not rule over us, amen? Our spirit man should be leading the way. Amen. So, eight things we can do. So, we talked about don't let it become a season, nip it in the bud, die to yourself, identify the root, pray and ask for forgiveness, ask God to give you a new zeal. Five, destroy whatever that doubt is that you identified with the word of God. With the word of God. Find scriptures that speak to whatever that doubt is And abolish it by praying the word of God. So if you are in fear or doubt about anything, you can just declare and decree that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And some of us think that it's silly to declare and decree the word of God, but you are missing out on the power that that yields. And you may not feel like that you've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. But you keep saying it over and over again. It's going to start to manifest tangibly in your your head, in your soul, in your thinking, choosing, feeling, and in your body, in your actions. So destroy every doubt with the word of God. James 1.22 in the Amplified says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts. And not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning. Deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. We have to be doers of the word. And the first way that we are doers of the word is actually by orally opening up our mouths and reciting and saying and declaring and decreeing and confessing the word of God. So destroy every doubt with the word of God. Six, reach out to others in fellowship who are not struggling with spiritual laziness, because you don't want to be with like-minded company, because y'all are bringing each other down, but who is not struggling with spiritual laziness, so that they can sharpen you, because iron sharpens iron. Amen? That's in Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. Small groups are perfect for this. I don't know how many small groups I've went to where I've been tired, just lethargic, don't want to really do what I need to do. And as I sat there and talked with like-minded believers who were on a better plane that day, it lifted me up. Amen? You know, I, I lead a small group, and there's been plenty of times that I, didn't, I was so spiritually lazy, I didn't even want to prepare the message before for the small group. <laughs> and what energized me, what gave me zeal, was that I knew other people were waiting for something. Because I'm supposed to be leading it. So accountability is important. Be accountable. Keep yourself accountable um, to other people. Because um, there is a reward for those who are in fellowship with one another. Amen? Amen. All right, seven. This is one I really wanted to get to. Because it relates to what Pastor is talking about um, with the word and sowing the word. Seven. We must protect our vineyards. We must protect our vineyard. So we've been talking about sowing the word in this house. And the Bible has all these seeds. Every scripture is a seed. And we're supposed to sow those, those seeds. Because at the end of the day, God wants to create a garden. Right? 
Because that's how he started it. He created Adam and he put him in the garden and told him, you are to keep this. You are to manage this. You are to cultivate this. You are to maintain this. God wants to create gardens in our own life. It's not just about one seed, you know, you planted. You should be planting all kinds of seeds everywhere, everywhere you go, every place your foot tread upon. And we cannot be lazy because lazy farmers, they don't eat. And work is not a sin. Remember, God gave the garden, he put Adam in there and he told him to work and work it. That was before sin came into the world. So work isn't a sin, it's just toil that has become a sin. So work entered the world before sin did. And, and when we become lazy, our lives, our vineyards become infested with the works of the flesh. That's all the thistles and the nettles, all the stuff that's trying to stunt growth. There's no fruit for God. And even our spiritual defenses, our walls are down when we're lazy. Because now the enemy can just easily walk into your vineyard. You know, most vineyards have some sort of fencing or gates. They got a scarecrow. Y'all, if, you, if your vineyard ain't um, kept up, all that stuff just torn down. It's, everybody just walking, trampling upon all the word that you sowed. Ain't nothing can grow. Some of us have gardens, vineyards, fields where everything's worn down. And it's all because of our laziness. Because we got to keep it up. We have to keep it up. And how did it get like that? It's because we failed to take care of the word of God. We failed to protect the word of God from decay and destruction that we sowed. So let's turn to Proverbs 24. This makes it very clear. Protect our vineyards. Proverbs 24 verses 30 through 34. I'm going to read out of NLT first. And it says, I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and I thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Let's read out of the message. Yeah, (laughs) you you already know. Verse 30. One day I walked by the field of an old lazy bones. Don't be no old lazy bones. And then I passed the vineyard of a lout. And there were overgrown with weeds, thick as thistles, all the fences broken down. I took a long look and pondered what I saw. The fields preached me a sermon, and I listened. A nap here, a nap there. A day off here, a day off there. Sit back. Take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt-poor life. Goodness gracious. With poverty as your permanent house guest. Mm. We've been talking about attacking the spirit of poverty. For some people, it starts with spiritual laziness. And that's an attitude. Not something that somebody did to them. An attitude. Let's turn to Proverbs 6. This tells us how we're supposed to be. Proverbs 6, verse 6. I'm going to read out of Amplified. It says, go to the ant, O lazy one. This is our recourse, (laughs) since they called us lazy bones. Go to the ant, O lazy one. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, overseer, or ruler, she prepares her food in the summer and brings in her provisions of food for the winter in the harvest. Verse 9, how long will you lie down, O lazy one? When will you arise from your sleep and learn self-discipline? Verse 10, yet a little sleep, just like the other one said, a little slumber. A little folding of the hands to lie down and rest. So your poverty will come like an approaching parlor who walks slowly but surely. And your need will come like an armed man making you helpless. So this is what the scripture shows us. We we need to look at the ant. Because the ant, they don't have a leader. They don't have an overseer. That means they're self-starters. 
You know, they don't need somebody to tell you it's time to pray. It's time to read the word. This is what you need to do. It's time to do a fast. You know, some of us have accountability partners that are really like prison wardens. Because they telling you every day, you need to do this, you need to do that. And you wearing them down because they got to keep trying to keep you accountable. You got to have them tell you over and over again, oh, this is what you need to do. When you going to start that business, girl? When you going to do that? When you going to finish that book, Kelly? That's on me. <laughs> but laziness cheats us from accomplishing the will of God. And, and, um, and really, number eight, to overcome laziness, we have to tap into our purpose. Amen. When our purpose is alive... When we are full of passion concerning what God has put us on this earth to do, there is, there should be a continuous momentum where we don't want to miss any opportunity for God to reveal his strength, for God to reveal his wisdom as it plays out in our life. And you won't, you won't even think about all the distractions, all the things that you used to do to cope, because you're on a mission, you're trying to reach a certain destination. And expect it in. That's for your good. Amen? Laziness cheats us by, by getting to that place, by, ex, by experiencing the abundant life that God has for us. And I just want to do a side note. Procrastination, that's the cousin of laziness. It's the cousin. Turn to James 4.17. Procrastination is a cousin of laziness. And James 4, 17 out of the NLT says, Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do, then not do it. We think sins, oh, you know, they fornicate and they drink and they killing people. This is clear as day. It is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's why so many people stay away from the church, because they don't want to know what they ought to do. Because they don't want to be rebellious in that way. And some of us in the church, unfortunately, are so rebellious that we know what we ought to do and we don't care that we're not doing it. We know the things that should be done and actually we do the things that we really shouldn't do and then we procrastinate on the stuff that we really need to do to change our lives. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? And it, um, you don't have to turn it over. Ecclesiastes 11.4 and Amplified, it says, He who watches the wind, waiting for all the conditions to be perfect, will not sow. Will not sow seed. And he who looks at the clouds will not reap a harvest. In the Living Bible, it says, If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. That's why some of us are procrastinating, because we're trying to wait for the, the best perfect conditions. You want it laid up in a bubble, you know, a perfect wrap, everything perfect for you. And God is like, I gave you this, work this. And after you work this, I'm going to give you this, work that. And after that, it's going to build and build and build. But we want everything all packaged up immediately before we even start on it. So the last scripture I want us to turn to, Hebrews 6. This will be as I close. Because the word just teaches us all by itself. I don't even have to say much. Because the word already teaches us. Hebrews 6, verse 1 out of the NLT. So it says, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely, we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms and laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. In verse 3 it says, And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared it in Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come. And who then turn away from God. We've tasted and seen enough in this house. Amen. It's been beyond glimpses. We have tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord. 
We cannot turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Verse 7, when the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But here's verse 8, but the field bears thorns and thistles, as we read about in Proverbs. It is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. That's how some of our spiritual lives look. Wastelands, our vineyards. They're so desolate and decaying that all you can really do is burn it and start over. But verse 9, dear friends, even though as we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. And I don't believe it applies to Lifeline System of Churches. We are confident that you are meant for better things. Things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him. And how, how, and how you have shown your love to him. By caring for other believers. As you still do. As we still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. In order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. And here's verse the verse. Verse 12. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Amen. We want to be in the number. God has a better life for us. God has more for us. And when we soak ourselves in the word of God, when we soak ourselves in the practice of prayer, in spiritual disciplines, in fellowshipping, and doing what we need to do, now we're able to teach others that are coming alongside. We don't have to be taught again and again. Because you're, you're standing in the line for those new believers that we're praying for coming in. And you're in the way when we've taught you this over and over again already. And you could be laying hands and praying for them yourselves. Don't get in the way of what God is doing. God is progressing and advancing his church in awesome numbers right now. We need to apply what we have learned. And in Hebrews, they never progress to that point. But we can, amen? We can. So I just want to lift us up in prayer and encouragement. Lord, Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I praise you, Father God, for this word. I thank you, Lord God, that that this word was clearly and practically laid out for us, that we saw ourselves in the word of God, and that right now, even this very moment, Lord God, Holy Spirit is dropping into our spirit what we need to do to change the course of our lives so that we don't settle, so that we don't become comfortable so that we don't become complacent and indifferent or spiritually lazy, but that you are awakening our zeal for you, Lord. That this month of April is a season and a time of awakening, of you doing something new within us. And it starts with us doing something new, something we have never done before, being wholly, totally committed to you, all in. Pastor released all in at the end of last year, and it still applies. We need to be all in. So, Lord, help us, forgive us where we have not been all in. Show us clearly where we can be all in and where we need to be all in. Allow us, Father God, to grow in you so that we, Father God, will never miss our marks, but that we will finish the race that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for that word. Hallelujah.